You're listening to Michelle Redfern and Mel Butcher on Lead to Soar, bringing you the best leadership advice and mentorship from around the world. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. Welcome, Bonnie Marcus, to Lead to Soar. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. I love the opportunity to talk about this topic. Absolutely. And you're incredibly gracious to give me two time windows. And I wanted to do that because you've got two different books. You're the author of The Politics of Promotion. This is my original hard copy with my notes and post-its. It's probably the first book about career-related things that I really read that helped me understand I needed to take things seriously, especially as a woman. And then you're also the author of Not Done Yet. So our second discussion will be about this book and in particular, gendered ageism. So Bonnie, give us a little bit of your background, maybe in particular, kind of the highlights reel around your corporate career. You made that transition from teaching to corporate, and then you kind of took this path upwards. Tell us about that. Yeah, I have a master's degree in education, and I was a kindergarten teacher, got married young, had children young, and got divorced young. And I realized that being a kindergarten teacher wasn't really going to pay all the bills. I applied for a nine-to-five job with a large medical practice, and at first they turned me down, and they said I was overqualified, and yada, yada, yada. I was practically begging them for the job because I just wanted something where I could be with my kids after school, et cetera. But they called me back two weeks later and they said they had just started a joint venture with a healthcare management company and 30 docs to set up a cardiac rehab center. And would I come in and be interviewed to be an administrator? I think this is a kind of a common theme in my career where I said, sure, but I had zero qualifications to do it. I barely could balance my checkbook at the time, but they hired me and took a chance on me. And that was my entree into business. So I got into business really by accident, learned business on the job. In a year and a half, I was running 11 of those centers up and down the East Coast. So they really taught me business management. They taught me operations. And from there, I mean, I kind of used that foundation to build the rest of my career. At one point, I left cardiac rehab and I moved into home health care with a large national company. And I was with that company for eight years. Started at entry level, made it to regional director position and We went through a lot of acquisitions. I had a new boss who came in who was kind of one of the good old boys from the network. And even though I had really stellar performance records, he passed me over for a promotion. I was an AVP. He passed me over for a VP position, gave it to a man. And I was totally blindsided. That really was the impetus for me to write the book, The Politics of Promotion, Because up until then, my career was work really hard, do the best you can, head down, just do the work. And I wasn't paying attention at all to the politics. 
and what it would really take for me to get ahead in the workplace as a woman, especially. Mm. So I learned a lot of lessons from that. And of course, I, I wrote the book then. But one of the tools in my toolkit is about building a strategic network. We're totally going to talk about that. Okay, so that's how I got my job as CEO of a national company. It was reaching out to my network. So am I remembering correctly that you titled the book Anatomy of a Blind Side because of that experience? Absolutely. Good memory. Right. Okay. Let's start at the top here. We talk about politics and I'm not sure people always understand what we mean by it. So Michelle and I like to describe it at the highest level as human dynamics. We're talking about how people interact. And no matter if you think you're engaging in politics or not, you are just by the nature of being involved with other humans. But Bonnie, expound on this for us. Help our listeners understand what you're talking about with the word politics and politics in the workplace? Well, first of all, as soon as you mention politics, people really have an attitude about it. (laughs) Pretty negative. Uh, I did research um, when I was doing the book, asked women how they felt about politics. And of course, it was very, very negative. Women tend to shy away from it, thinking that it's It's evil. I mean, some women said it's downright evil. But as you said, when you have more than one person, you have even two people who are in some type of relationship, there are dynamics, there are politics that we need to understand. And in the workplace, your career success really depends on understanding all those dynamics because we don't build a career in a vacuum. And to think that if we work really hard, get great results, that might be enough to realize our full career trajectory where we're mistaken. And one of the things I really wanted to talk about in in the book is that it's really important to pay attention to everything that's going on around you if you have ambition because you can be blindsided by any one of these relationships or dynamics that you're not paying attention to. So I think that is like the key message of the book. And then, of course, the rest of it are, here's how you do it. Here's how you navigate. But it's getting over that hump first. Right. And so that research was really interesting. You uncovered all kinds of negative ideas that women have about the concept of politics. So talk to us a little bit about where women run into trouble by holding on to those negative ideas about politics. Well, where they get into trouble is that they don't have the information because they're not paying attention about how those dynamics in the workplace can affect their career. And, you know, on the flip side, therefore they can't use that to their advantage to navigate successfully. So I think that if we're so tuned out to the politics, I don't know how many women have said to me, oh, I don't do politics. I think that's terrible. I think we need to understand is, as we just said, you can't avoid it. That's human nature. But to understand that your career isn't built in a vacuum, 
that you need to pay attention. You need to understand all those dynamics, which I talk about in the in the book. What are the rules? What are the unwritten rules? Who has power? Who has influence? Really trying to figure out, well, what does it take to get ahead here in this environment? And what does it take as a woman? What does it take perhaps as a woman of color? Understanding all of that helps you position yourself successfully. And otherwise, you set yourself up. Right. Part of what I'm hearing is that you have to really understand your workplace culture, what their values are, and how that kind of gets displayed as what is rewarded in promotions and raises, et cetera. So when you work with women, what do you do or maybe what kinds of questions do you ask them to help them begin to parse out what their specific workplace dynamics really are? There's a chapter in the book called the magnifying glass. You know, that's the symbol for you need to look under the covers you know, a company may say they have a certain mission or they have values, but what's the reality? Oh, we believe in, in gender equality. Well, how does that manifest itself? Is that real? Are women promoted equally? Are women paid equally? Do women suffer a motherhood penalty if they go part-time or opt out? I mean, so what is the reality? And I call that understanding what the rules are right? Company has like a handbook or they have something where they say, here are the rules. But what are the unwritten rules? Because the unwritten rules rule. And the example I love to give is that, you know, if you open up an employee handbook, I deserve to get ahead. Look at the work I'm doing. My work should speak for itself. And and if it were true that we live in a meritocracy, that would be fine. But again, it's a reality check. So whether or not we call it self-promotion and many companies have brought me in and they say, we want you to talk about this, but can we change the title? So it's like, okay, advocating for yourself or, you know, we go through all kinds of hoops, but it is what it is, that it's still important that you advocate for yourself that you create credibility and visibility for yourself because people are too busy. They're not going to go out of their way to, to find you and say, oh, here's the next VP. I think that we are also brought up not to brag. We're brought up to wait and be recognized. And for those of us who've tried elevator pitches and things like that, and that left us with a bad taste in our mouth because it it just kind of, it didn't resonate. Nobody really paid attention to it. The lesson I think that is important is to understand the value that you bring to your organization, what your value proposition is, and that is how your work leads to positive business outcomes. And when you can identify that, it's so empowering. I've taken, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of women through exercises to figure that out. And it's like, oh, you know, it's like an aha moment. It's not your job description. It's really what you are doing 
to be able to help others and help the organization reach its objectives. What you just said reminded me of something another guest we had on Lead to Soar, Barbara Bruno, talked about. So she she mentioned that most of the resumes that she sees are really awful. And she said, if your resume could be used by someone else who had your position, it's not a resume. It's a job description. And I think that that's how a lot of us have been conditioned to think about the work we do. We get these task lists and check the boxes and whatnot. But to get to the value proposition, our positional purpose, we've really got to dig into how we do what we do. And here's the challenge is that we think that anybody can do what we do. And we don't realize that we have a unique way of approaching the work. I'm not an engineer. And so the way I approach things is so differently. The the way I look at the world, my filters are different than, say, yours. And it has nothing to do with a job description. It's just kind of innately how we look at things, how we solve problems, how we reach the positive results that we do. And it's really important to know that you can completely change job descriptions and even careers, right? You can decide, you know, you want to be an architect and you're going to get positive results the same way you do in any in any other profession because of who you are. Mm-hmm. So the work that I do with my clients and the work that we need to do, it's not your job description. That's not who you are. Who you are is how uniquely you approach the work and get positive results. Mm -hmm. It takes a bit of digging because we take it for granted. It's hard to see what innately we do, how innately we just look at the world But identifying your value proposition is probably the most important thing you can do for your career because it then puts you in a position where as you're building this network, you can reach out to people and say, what are you hoping to achieve now? Are you working on any projects that may be stuck or you're having issues with because perhaps I can help? And then you do what I call connect the dots between what they're hoping to achieve and what you bring to the table. And now people are listening. It resonates because it's not an elevator pitch where people that's all about you. It's how you can serve others. Yes. Yeah. People want to know what's in it for me, right? Right. That's human nature. Absolutely. Okay. So... Last question here. I want to ask you to share a story. I think we all really internalize things better with stories. So I want to invite you to just unabashedly boast. Can you think of the story of a woman that you've worked with at some point where some of these same themes came up and you helped her get to a better outcome with her career path. No need to name names or anything, but just looking for a story here that really reflects this work. Yeah. There was a woman who worked for a large global financial institution and her company actually recognized that 
she had potential, but she was stuck kind of in, in middle management. And at that point, we did some digging. There's a program I have called the VIP coaching program where I actually interview like five people. And so I wanted to know how she being perceived. Is she being perceived as a leader? And what are some of the things that are holding her back? Are there certain things that she can improve upon? And working with that, we put a strategic plan together and some coaching goals together and worked very hard to change the perception. Because very often we have a this idea of how we're being perceived. Very often, a lot of the women I work with are great doers. You know, they're like the go-to person and everybody comes to them. And so they think that they've got this nail, they're going to get ahead because people already see them as a leader. But then when you look at the way people, these women are actually perceived, they're not perceived as leaders. They're perceived as the go-to person, the doer, and it's helping to change that perception, not only of yourself, what you need to do. Anyway, long story short, is that what the coaching was focused on? And in the first 18 months, she got two promotions, continued to get promotions. And I don't even know what her final title is, but she is up there as one of the top senior executives at this bank globally. Would you say that in cases like this, women are surprised when they see how they're how they are actually perceived? Yes. Okay. And again, it's our assumptions also, which is important, Mel, about what we think it takes to get ahead versus the reality of what does it really take to get ahead? Yeah. Well, let's wrap on that for our discussion here. So I remember in the last conversation you and I had, one of the things that, that you brought up at the very end was this idea that assumptions can be our blind spot. So assumptions like, my hard work will get me ahead, or even assumptions about the workplace culture, et cetera. Maybe just expound a little bit more on assumptions as a blind spot. Oh, gosh. We need to challenge our assumptions because they can put up significant roadblocks. And one of the things that I work on as a coach is to understand what some of the assumptions we have, as well as our limiting beliefs, keep us stuck. And I say to all my clients, it's like, I can tell you I can give you all the tools that I talk about in my book, the political toolkit. But if you're making assumptions that you're not going to get ahead anyway, because, you know, you're too young or you're too old or you're a woman or you're a woman of color or, you know, if you're not going to do the work, you're not going to do the kinds of things you need to do to move your career forward. So it can be a real blind spot. And we need to uncover what those beliefs and assumptions are uh, and kind of declutter in order to move forward. Yeah, thank you. Okay, quick recap. So we have talked today about 
how politics are not bad. They are really human dynamics and it encompasses things like building relationships, understanding your workplace dynamics, and then being intentional about building your strategic network. And that should be both wide and deep. Your network should be like a web spanning different levels and different types of professionals and experience. We also talked a little bit about sponsorship and mentorship and the importance of self-promotion, even if you need to give it a different name. So Bonnie, I want to thank you for joining me today. I'm looking forward to our next discussion. It's going to have more of a focus on gendered ageism. Where can folks find you? My website is bonniemarcusleadership.com. And it has information about my books, my podcast, anything that I write on Forbes, it's all there. Perfect. BonnieMarcusLeadership.com. And we'll be sure to include a link in that on the podcast. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Lead to Soar. We sincerely appreciate your honest, positive reviews. You can leave questions at leadtosoar.com for Michelle and Mel to answer on future episodes. Until next time, we hope you'll use what you've learned here and lead to soar.